G'day, episode eight of What Happens After the Podcast. My name is Bryce. And I'm Melissa. And this is a bit of a podcast about our journey post Married at First Sight. Yeah, it's been, gosh, how many how many months now? I think we're coming up to close to, would it be three months, do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, not having to have anxiety about what's going to be shown on a television screen. Four nights a week. Yeah, I, I think I still get a little bit camera shy. It's all right using my iPhone, but anytime a camera's pointed in my direction, I, I get this overwhelming fear and stress and I get the sweats. I'm, I'm not a fan of it. You know what we're both not fans of, actually? Mm. The sneaky photos out in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not. I'd rather just someone come up and say, hey, can I grab a photo of you rather than... Under the under the arm, or you know, standing behind the car, ducking down, you know, bit uh, bit much. Yeah, just ask. Yeah, or just don't take one. Pretty simple. Hey, uh, the past week, uh, you might have seen an awareness campaign, Men's Mental Health Week. Uh, we've obviously put some stuff on our social media platforms, particularly Instagram, over the past week. Yes, it's been a very important week. I put up a post. Again, supporting a, a, a really good brand that I love that's down on the Mornington Peninsula, which is It's Okay Not To Be Okay. Um, I've got their new jumper, which is very beautiful, and it was perfect time to get it to support a really much-needed, well-deserved cause. And as we talk about Men's Mental Health Week, let's get into that next on the other side of this. This is called What Happens After the Podcast. I've been through heartaches, I've been to heaven. I've done my best and my worst, learned my lessons. Before we start this main segment of episode eight, I uh, just want to put it out there too. Our lifeline, it's always available for assistance on 13, 11, 14. There's some other great organizations like Beyond Blue out there as well. Mm-hmm. If you are suffering any mental health issues and it's not weak to speak. And I think that's the key message that's come out this week during Men's Mental Health Week. Yeah. Yep. So if you are really struggling out there, those support networks are available and your family and friends as well. We came across a few alarming stats during the week uh, that 82 men call an ambulance every day in Australia due to suicidal thoughts or having tried to take their own life. Now that's a really high number in the scheme of things. That's horrific to even think about. I couldn't even fathom knowing somebody that's going through such a hard time and not being able to support them through it. I guess a more alarming stat too is that we lose seven men a day to suicide in Australia. And a day? Yeah, a day, which you think oh, seven's not a big number, but word. in a reference to suicide, it's quite an alarming stat that it is happening in this country. That's horrific. Now, it's a situation that I had to sort of go through uh, with my friendship group. Now, I had... A best mate of mine that lived with myself and my ex-partner uh, for a, a few months, a couple of years ago. And yeah, unfortunately, he passed away to suicide and it was a real tough one because he was only quite young. So I was about eight years older than him and he'd moved away from his family in Queensland uh, to come and play soccer in Victoria with myself at the time. And going through that, he'd worked with me previously as well, done some stuff. I knew him quite well. And I guess... The first thing I think about it now is you never know someone as well as you think Mm -hmm. because we knew he had moments like he had some struggles with uh, females over the time as in maybe trying to pursue a female to essentially date them or whatnot and it fell through and 
oh, look, he got disappointed. That was the kind of thing. And he moved away from his family uh, to try and just sort of not restart his life, but try and pursue something he was really keen on. And he was in his early 20s and it got to the point where we'd noticed signs, Mike's partner and I, that he was sort of a bit up and down. Mm-hmm. And we'd always sort of check in on him. If you're living with a couple, you sort of, you not take them in as like, you adopt them in some sense, but you've always got an eye on them to sort of see what they're doing, if they're making good choices and whatnot. And we were no different. And it got to the point where he ended up moving back to Queensland and he was at home for about 12 months. And I'll never forget the day that um, I didn't get the phone call first up. My partner at the time got a phone call from one of her friends saying that uh, my mate had actually passed away overnight. And we were sort of a bit perplexed as to how that had happened we hadn't heard he was sick or anything like that and then another mate of mine actually reached out and said oh hey um warwick has committed suicide overnight and i was like okay it was a bit shocked and then had sort of gone into it and i'm not going to go into details about what happened um but at the same time too yeah that really sort of put it in the the forefront of my mind and it still does to this day because i'd never thought about mental health and how it can affect you until it sort of hit me directly through one of my close mates oh that's I can't even imagine. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. That was that would have been just awful. Like I'd spoken to you about this mm. throughout the filming of the show, and sort of said like, "Hey," because we'd sort of had conversations around all that type of stuff. Yeah. And I remember even with Jake too, because Jake with his charity work that he was doing at the time, um, and his mental health work amongst like sporting clubs and organisations. I think we were sitting in a park near the opera house one day mm-hmm. and we had a conversation about it in the gardens and then speaking to him about his personal struggles too, it was kind of like, it's just, it's out there more than you think. And I guess a lot of people look at men and think, oh, men are tough, men are strong. It will never affect them. But it's a funny thing. I was sort of in that mentality too, prior to doing the show. What's that? Like in the mentality that nothing can affect me. Mm. And I went into it. And I remember going through the whole process for the show and they're like, oh, what's your mental health like and whatnot? And I was always like, yeah, I can deal with things like on a daily basis, weekly basis, and I'm fine. But I guess doing that whole experiment that we did, I got to a point where for the first time, maybe second time in my life actually, where I'd actually felt broken as a human being. Mm. And I think it can be seen watching the show back as well that, You know, you don't see everything with the edit because only a small snippet of what we actually go through is shown. But I think the the show did a really good job of highlighting the key points, you know, major events that happened on the show where you were probably at your lowest point and you were reacting in a way that wasn't you, but there was obviously triggers to how you were responding to situations and people took that as, oh, he's aggressive. Oh, he just wants to start a fight. But no one actually saw, except the other cast members that we were close with, actually saw what you were going through behind the scenes and led to certain situations. Yeah, and I think it was kind of well highlighted towards the end of the series on TV that we didn't go to the last dinner party. Now, that was after a boys and girls night where some people came back and essentially made up a bunch of shit that we're convinced producers told them to say or they just saw a chance to get their name in lights um and we're not going to mention their names because it's not sort of worth promoting what they did because it was just a crock of shit but at the same time too the night after was the dinner party and that whole following day was where 
you probably remember watching it back if you did watch the series. And we remember it clearly when mm-hmm. you came back into the room because they'd forced us to stay apart the night mm-hmm. because conveniently couldn't get cameras. So a lot of people go through the experiment. This is like a bit of an unknown fact with maths that there's a lot of couples that actually don't spend every night together because they simply just can't stand each other. Yeah. We were probably, I think, one of two couples that never spent a night apart. The others being Belinda and Patrick, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. yeah. And even some other couples that are still together now, they had nights apart, they fought, and they just weren't in the same room. And yeah, they just they chose up the show for us as well um, because it didn't match a storyline. But at the same time too, that day that played out before that final dinner party and the events that happened, I guess this is probably a really good example of how someone's mental health can be destroyed. And I think it's probably worth noting what happened on the events that day. And we sort of touched on it briefly in radio interviews mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. So what happened was we were kept separate the night before. Then you came back in and said, oh, who's et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what's all this come about? And then you'd sort of explain it to me. I walked out of the room, walked straight to the living producer's room and said, get the boss of the show on the phone right now. And then they're like, what's going on? And I was going off my head because I was like, what the hell's happened? And then one of the other uh, women in the hallways saw me and like losing my shit. And when I say losing my shit, I was just like, get this person on the phone right now. Get the boss of the show on the phone right now. And they're like, what's up? I said, oh, something's happened last night. Liz has come back and sort of briefly explained it. And then that girl, I won't name who it was, said, oh yeah, Samantha had come back and said all this stuff. And I was like, fucking, someone's come back to get a headline for themselves, which is basically what they were on the show for anyway. And then I ended up having a conversation with the boss of the show and they were like, we need to get this all on camera. And I said, like, honestly, I said, this is past the point of filming a TV show. And like, I was basically in tears. I was like destroyed. And the show had no care. They basically said, oh, go and sit in the room by yourself. Mm. They said, oh, are you suicidal? I said, no, I'm not. I said, okay, you sit in the room by yourself. I reckon we were kept apart that day for... You reckon about six or seven hours? Yeah. Would have been close to, and literally we had, or you were in our room, weren't you? Mm-hmm. You were in our, own. yeah, by yourself. And then I was in this assistant living producer's room. And anyway, I actually ended up sneaking out of the Sky Suites, basically in the clothes I'd slept in the night before. And if you know Sydney quite well, the apartments were in Kent Street. I walked a couple of blocks around the corner into Martin Place because it was the only place I'd sort of known I could go to to try and find a pay phone to call someone. I didn't want to do it around the sort of the block where we were because producers would always do laps of the block to see who was out and about. But if I go a couple of blocks over and try and make a phone call, I might be able to help myself in a situation. Now, I didn't have my own phone. Uh, they had that one, the producers did, and my wallet was in the room with you. So I had no funds me at all. So I actually went down to Martin Place, uh, basically didn't beg, but asked some random corporate in Martin Place for a couple of bucks and he gave me a $5 note. So I had to go into the Woolworths, exchange for some coins and then went outside to the payphones outside of Woolworths. And it was funny. I remember seeing a Daily Mail article at the time saying, this is the payphone that Bryce called the police off. And they were actually right. I don't know how they found out that information. They must have done some digging through the car so I told the story to and found out that way. And when that all came out, that actually mentioned it in some radio interviews saying the reason we didn't go was I went and called the police because I first off called my parents because you know this story now as well. Called my parents. They live on the Gold Coast. My mum was like, we can't really do anything. Your hands are tied. Maybe just call the police. So I did that. 
let them know as bizarre as that would have been to call the police and said this is going to sound like the dumbest phone call you've ever received it's not an emergency but we're filming a tv show uh we're being held against our own will uh some incidents have happened here we're basically being locked apart in separate rooms and i said okay we'll try and send someone out so i thought okay this is all good so as i'm walking back into the sky suites i was caught by a producer walking in saying hang on aren't you supposed to be in the ap's room and i was like "Mm, yeah and so i ended up getting a phone call then saying oh where have you just gone to and i said oh i went out to go and get a coffee but (laughs) had no coffee cup no (laughs) money on me i was just like yeah you know what it is what it is yeah so i did that got back and then I was like, I don't want to do any more filming. I want to pack my bags and go home. I said, I can guarantee you now we had the conversation previously and that you were in the same boat as I was. Yeah. I said, well, it's got to be on camera. So I ended up just eventually agreeing to it after arguing back and forth with the producers that they needed footage of this on camera because it makes a TV show apparently. And then I walked back into the room and basically broke down the bed straight away, which is what they showed on TV. Yeah. And I remember that moment. That was the moment I was just like, no, like I'm just... I'm destroyed, I'm done. And they showed, what, like about 20 seconds of us sitting on the bed? Yeah. But I reckon we were probably there for 45 minutes with me in tears. Yeah. Mm. You know what was most heartbreaking for me was not, I couldn't even watch that again because going through it once in person was hard enough watching you break down. What was the most horrific thing was hearing what people were saying online about that moment and how they were fake tears and that, we were putting on a show and it was just really, really awful that people can make such a cruel judgment on something that was so traumatic for both of us. Mm. Yeah, it's disappointing, but that's the way that social media works sometimes. And I guess given the context about how we were that way, and now I've explained it in quite detail, I think people might get an understanding of what it sort of got to for us. Yeah, and no one will ever truly understand unless you do a reality TV show like this. You know, I I don't think anyone could potentially comprehend how difficult it is. And even speaking to other people who've done other reality TV shows, I don't think anyone's ever copped it as bad as the show that we were on. From what I hear, you know, speaking to people from Bachelor in Paradise and things, they literally were in paradise and had the best time ever. Yeah. And I'm not saying that for everybody, but just the, f- the few people that we've spoken to, some people in the experiment have had good opportunities, but it's just, you cannot compare it to anything else. The funniest thing, I guess, for me is that, I can't remember if it was from a Channel 9 point of view or from an Endemol point of view, but one of the organisations came out and said, that, that statement and story, what I said, is categorically incorrect. Oh, now, they know above anyone that it is so true and it is there, the facts are there. You could check police records and, to see the phone call is there. And they weren't even... It's not like they were following you around the entire time. How the hell would they know? But one of their producers caught me walking back in from making a phone call to pay phone. So... They're obviously covering their own ass, and it's at the point where, to be fair, I don't care what I say about them anymore because they don't care about us. Uh, there's no care at all, especially when it comes to mental health. This is the most disappointing thing. Um, it's worth noting that we actually caught up with Jake uh, during the week. Now, if you've seen Jake's stories on Instagram, um, he's gone a bit of th- gone through a bit of stuff recently. You could say 
And we end up going catching up with him in person, having a chat about it all. And we're not going to go into information about what happened with that, but it goes to show what these sort of shows can do to people. Mm, I'm just proud of Jake. I'm so happy for where he's at now. And I won't speak for him, but just seeing him in such in such a a much better place was just really heartwarming because you know we're not the closest with Jake he's obviously very close with other people in the experiment but you know we care about him just as much as we've cared about anyone else in in that we were close to so I'm so glad that he's doing well yeah and I think you hear about these things like ACMA investigating the show (laughs) and basically getting into the nitty-gritty of what actually happens um, we said in last week's podcast how I've had a conversation with an ACMA representative. Now I'm not going to go into details again about what that was sort of about, but it's kind of funny. I've shared that story with them. So, and I'd be more than happy to document it because it's things like that where these people that make these shows need to be held accountable. Now, granted, there are some lovely people that we met in that organization, but there are also the people that are making the calls on that as well that are destroying lives and it's one of those things it's only a matter of time before you see a reality tv contestant in australia take their own life and it's the sad reality it's going to happen at one point i'm convinced yeah yeah and i really hope that it, it i really hope that it doesn't i hope that talking about mental health encourages others to seek assistance where they need it but yeah, I can I can definitely see it happening and if it doesn't happen during the show, it's what happens after the show. All the the awful comments, bullying, you know, people who tell stories and gossip about people that have been on shows like this but never actually getting the full source of information from the people that it actually happened to. Yeah. Well, we can definitely guarantee that there was a particular gossip page that almost drew someone to the point of suicide Mm. recently. Mm. Um, But anyway, we won't get into that. Something else that's worth bringing up in this episode too is uh, a minor health issue with yourself. Mm. So, yeah, it's been been hard. I think we we mentioned a few weeks ago that we've got some pretty big announcements that uh, is going to affect both of us. But this one in particular really affects myself directly and and it's impacting on us as a couple but uh gosh when was it it was around new year's actually we were up in queensland yeah and i found a lump in my breast in my right breast and i went to the doctor when i came back from holidays so it's probably what mid-january and the doctor said that it's most likely a cyst, which is very common for women. Um, she she did a check and said not to worry about it. Um, but if anything changes or if you start feeling pain or uh, any concerns about it, you know, come back and um, we can look into it a little bit more. So long story short, in the last, what, month or so? Yeah. Um, the I've I've been feeling a bit of pain where that lump is, and uh, I'm due to have an ultrasound coming up, just to just to get the all clear. Now I'm I'm not saying it's anything sinister. Well, you hope not. No, no, but uh, definitely something I've never gone through before. 
and I'm sure many, 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 many women have and everything turned out to be okay and I'm always trying to keep in that positive mindset because I don't jump, I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that it's anything bad but it's more so the change that's happened and uh, it's definitely become more noticeable and painful so just trying to do the right thing and, and get it checked to make sure it all comes back clear but that's been yeah a pretty big thing happening with us of late i guess it's a reminder too for all women out there as well like it's i know we've been speaking about men's mental health week but in terms of things like getting your breast check for uh things like any lumps or stuff i know that my mum's cousin she passed away to breast cancer um about 15 or so years ago and yeah i remember seeing her go through that and like we are very hopeful that it's nothing bad for you clearly i'm very hopeful it's not because i don't want to see you go through something like that because it's not easy and a good thing to go through but at the same time too at least you're trying to get on top of it and pray it's not what it potentially could be yeah what i think i'm most upset about is uh this isn't a, a, a my normal doctor that i see so um when i did go to the doctor they just told me to monitor it and and come back and get a referral to have an ultrasound if it changed. And look, I, I let it go for, I've obviously let it go for a really long time because it's been almost six months since and we I, have had things on the last six months, let's be fair as well. Yeah, yeah, but you know, uh, I wasn't conscious of it for a while there. And um, it's only when I started to feel pain that I thought I, I obviously need to do something about this. But it was what encouraged me the most was remembering that my best friend uh she lost her mum when she was quite young around around my age and she um it was devastating for her she was so close with her mum and when i told her about uh that i i'd found a lump um months ago she was so mad at me and told me to you know get straight down and have an ultrasound because her mum unfortunately was told by her doctor that it was a cyst and Unfortunately, it wasn't. I think we might take a quick break. We'll wrap up episode eight of What Happens After Next. If you have any questions for us anytime, you can always hit us up through our Instagram profiles or, of course, the email address, whathappensafterpod at gmail.com. This is where you can ask Liz a question. Now, some questions have come through this week. One of them in particular was to do around social media. And they asked both of us, what would our life be like without social media? <laughs> Look, I, I'd be more than happy to live my life without social media, but it is a way to stay connected to people. And there's obviously some enjoyment that you do get from it. But a lot of the time, I feel it's such a negative, awful space. It's just so toxic. So I think life without social media would be such a breeze but I don't like being told by strangers that, you know, I, I, I wouldn't struggle so much with the the gossiping and, and the rumors that are made up if I just deleted my account. I don't think that's really going to benefit me because I still get told through family, friends, third parties, strangers that I meet, oh, did you read this or did I heard this about you? Is this true? So I still get the information secondhand. Regardless, anyway. yeah. Yeah. So look, deleting social media would be great, but you know, I shouldn't have to. 
I shouldn't have to hide from my social media and it's my my like my Instagram page why should I have to filter it or tone it down because it doesn't suit what you like as a as a a person that's coming onto my Instagram account and viewing it if you don't like what you see then just don't go on it yeah it's a funny one because prior to doing the show I've obviously been in radio as an announcer for 11 years but another skill of mine in the media was digital content. So I was basically living a lot of my life away from a microphone online because it would help with our job on air, but also to do the multimedia platforms for the radio stations I was working with because I was a digital content manager. So it's a hard one. And I used to say to so many people that were friends with me that I wish like things like Facebook, for example, I barely use Facebook these days because I'm just, I'm so over it. Instagram I use because we've got a back, we've sort of got a few things that we can do with it. It's a bit of a new, exciting toy for us but at the same time as well. Uh, Facebook, I only really use the messenger component to speak to friends that I've got that live well away from where we live at the moment. Mm-hmm. So if I had the choice, I would get rid of Facebook completely. And before you say you have a choice, you mm-hmm. kind of don't because it's part of my job. But uh, another question that had also come through was around some of the trolling that is, I would say has kind of stopped to a degree. It's not really relevant as much anymore. Yeah, just what a message or two every couple of days here and there. And it's always a fake account. It is, yeah. Or one thing I've noticed too, which is quite concerning, that it appears to be a lot of young mums. And it, now I'm saying young mums because you click on their profile when the comment or the messages come through and their display photo is a young lady with a young girl or a young boy. So yes, it's presuming that they're a young mum, but I guess when you're going for a profile pic, Mm. how else can you judge? Yeah. Why? What what are you drawing a conclusion to? Well, I just think, and I've been responding to some of these people saying, like, if they are a mother, like, if you're a mother, as it appears to be, are you not concerned that if this was to happen to your own child, how you would react, but you're happy to dish it out to a complete stranger? Mm-hmm. Am I just completely wrong thinking that? Or uh, I agree. But I, again, this has been the, one of the most difficult things for me to wrap my head around is why would somebody go onto a page and, you know, threaten harm against a complete stranger or pick apart their appearance or body shame them or anything like that? I, I, I still don't fathom how someone can come onto my Instagram and do all of those things. And yes, I do see a lot of parents out there but then again there's a lot of accounts that post those things that are private so I think we're drawing our conclusion from the the insights which is a a stat on our uh, Instagram we can see who follows us if it's men or women and their age group we obviously can't see if these are parents but yeah I, I can agree that there's a lot of parents out there that have said some really disgusting things to myself and to you and I'm sure they do to all of the cast. We can't just assume it's just us. Oh, and absolutely to any well yeah. to anyone. And I don't, I don't support or agree that anyone, regardless of how we get along with other people that were on the show with us, I don't think anyone deserves that. But it is, it is quite shocking because I always think, you know, I, if I ever had a kid, I would not want my kid to be on on someone's Instagram page and, and saying, you know, you're ugly or you need, you need to lose weight. I just, and I'd be so ashamed as a parent 
to think that yeah. my child was doing that to another human being. We can guarantee if we ever decide to have a kid that it won't be raised that way. Oh, that would be terrifying. Uh, speaking of trolling too, we're actually going to have an episode dedicated to it coming up over the next couple of weeks with a very special guest that herself has gone through a lot of trolling and is involved with some stuff with the government at the moment. So that's going to be quite exciting. Uh, the final question that has come through, lockdown has eased here in Melbourne. Uh, very simple question. How did we survive in terms of our relationship through lockdown? <laughs> I actually spoke to my mum and my sister about this and I said, interestingly enough, because we have been spending so much time together, and yes, we do like and enjoy spending time together, we're not forced to, so please don't come at me with that. But we have spent a lot of time together during a lockdown in such very close proximities because our house is very small, but we survived it. We got through it. Yeah, we didn't fight, not at all. Still together, can yeah. confirm? Yep, yep. Still happy? Well, I am. Oh, of course I am. Okay, so we're both still happy then? Okay. Not me speaking for you? No, oh God, oh no, you're not speaking for me. Don't God forbid, don't. I even allude to that. But hey, that wraps up episode eight. If you have a question through... Anytime, make sure you hit us up on Instagram or, of course, what happens after pod at gmail.com. And if anything in this episode, too, um, might have hit home for you or may have affected you in some way, uh, don't forget Lifeline 13, 11, 14. But until next week, we will see you then for what happens after. Bye. Hey, it's Liz. If you ever wanted to ask me a question about myself, Bryce, us as a couple or you'd like me to discuss a topic of your choice you can email us at whathappensafterpod at gmail.com and hopefully i can answer it next time on our podcast